In the following live session recording, Marty Youngblood, state missionary with Church Minister Relations and the Georgia Baptist Mission Board, talks about Conflict Coaching 101. Conflict coaching is defined as a set of skills and strategies used to support people's ability to engage in, manage, and productively resolve conflict. In this process, the conflict coach works one-on-one with a coachee experiencing conflict with another person. In this session, we will discuss the skills needed to be a successful conflict coach. Let's join Marty now. Yeah, but, uh, but I am Marty Youngblood. I'm one of your state missionaries. Actually, I've been with Georgia Baptist 25 years. Uh, I did uh, two years in Columbus as an associate campus minister uh, and a pastor down there. And I've been a church planner, been a professor, been all kinds of different things. Uh, uh, South Carolina Baptist Convention, Charleston State University. Uh, 13 years in Savannah as a campus minister, then two years ago, roughly. Uh, Dr. White called me and said, listen, we want you to come up and work with Danny Waters in prayer renewal, pastoral care, and conflict mediation. I had no clue really what the conflict part was, but the uh, prayer renewal was something I'm passionate about, and uh, pastors, I love pastors and staff, uh, you know, and so uh, I've worked with a lot of them for years. I told them it's easier when you're the second chair to work with the first chair, because when you're the first chair, sometimes there's a, there's a little bit of competition or uneasiness sometimes amongst each other. I've noticed that, not everybody, but sometimes. So I came up there 10 years ago to do that, and so Robert Anderson mentored me in pastoral care, and Dr. Kenneth King mentored me in conflict mediation, and uh, the prayer renewal, I got you know, mentored by a lot of folks, uh, not just in Georgia, but, uh, but but like I say, I've been serving for 25 years, and just recently, well, we're in week four now, I live in Savannah. I was up there, uh, Thomas Hammond and Larry Wind and Paul and all those guys have put together a regionalization process, and so we're regionalizing, so now I'm the Southeast Regional Guy for Pastoral Wellness. And so and then there are five on the church strengthening side. We've got the discipleship, we've got the missions, we've got evangelism, uh, next-gen worship. And so those are the one in five that you're kind of working through now. And so I went from 3,600 churches to 550 churches, and uh, all of the AMs to 12, 13 associational missionary strategists. Uh, I like AMs still down here. Some even DOM, but up in Atlanta, the AMSs. But anyway, so we have to try to figure that one out. But, uh, but I serve as your state missionary, and, and um, Dr. Merritt, myself, and Brian, and I think you guys were here for Brian, they call Brian the hammer. He mm-hmm. gets things done. Uh, they call me the negotiator. I have to get in there and try to get some place to stand long enough for the scriptures and the Holy Spirit to work. Uh, it's kind of what negotiation is about. And Marcus is kind of the architect over he, he just gives some great... Uh, architectural perspective as far as insight, biblical, procedural, and things like that. Um, it's really funny. Brian is, who you see is who you got. And Marcus is one of these guys who, uh, who's got a little bark with a big bite. And I've got a little bark, I mean I've got a big bite with a little bark. So it's really kind of strange how we're all different personalities. And we all ride motorcycles. Amen. So when we get fed up here with right. conflict mediation, we jump on the motorcycles and uh, so, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we just got back from Sturgis doing Faith Riders Group up there. We shared the gospel 2,500 times at 20, wow. uh, 225 people stayed. Oh, wow. I mean, it's amazing. I tell people, you, you show me a mission trip where one in ten is going to get saved, I'm, I'm on. I'm, on. I'm either going to give you money or I'm going to go. <laughs> I mean, that's, 
Uh, that's amazing. And pretty good follow-up, actually. So, but anyway, all that aside, so let me just say a prayer and we'll jump in here. Lord, thank you for your love and grace and goodness. God, thank you for the gospel. Uh, it is the gospel that brought us to you. And uh, Father, that was the greatest conflict of my life. I was in conflict with you, the God of all creation, because of my sin. And you said Jesus, and because of Jesus, Lord, we are in harmony uh, in our relationship because of Christ Jesus. And that I'm grateful. Thank you for these, Lord, for whatever reason you're here. I pray that you would speak to them through your scriptures by your Holy Spirit. Maybe some of the things I share would just help them process uh, what you want to share and do in them uh, this evening or the weeks to forward. So, Lord, we uh, pray for all the others around us. Lord, the seminars are going on. We pray you'd fill them with the Holy Spirit and the Scriptures. And, Lord, let that saturate as well so that this really would be a good time together uh, as believers. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Um, and so, a lot of reasons, and, and, and I've, I've done this several times, different ways. And so, one likely, first of all, uh, we got no, I don't think we any associational missionaries here. One, Darren, where are you at? You're new, right? My apologies, brother. It didn't. It didn't dawn on me. But That's fine. Did, did you have, I don't think I did. Did you hear you had to do it all the time? Sometimes. Okay. Well, all right, man. <laughs> You've been here how long? I've only been that, doing that for about two months. Okay. I feel a little better. Then. <laughs> I think we've actually talked though. I, I thought with Ricky, but. I, Okay, heck no. Oh, man, I, I well, I like to try. And again, I've been kind of moving around a little bit, so uh, good. All right, got pastors in here. Okay, got staff in here. Okay, deacons, elders, elders. Uh, people who love Jesus. Yay! There you go. Get away. The uh, and and so and, and one of the things I always tell why I ask about the association <coughs> missionaries or AMS strategists, whatever whatever the title is. Or director of missions, as some of the guys still like to be called. Um, it is that one of the things we do as a state missionary and in church mission relations and in conflict mediation, a lot of times we're going to work with these guys because when these guys step in to try to lead through that conflict, that's a challenging time. Uh, sometimes it elevates the conflict because, I mean, this is the big dog. This is the, the AM. The same way with pastors. When pastors step into a conflict issue, it sometimes elevates that, that conflict emotion because we're the, we're the first chair. And so, or the chairman of the deacon steps in. It elevates that confidence sometimes, emotions. It's released. So sometimes we're able to come in and kind of try to kind of take some of that emotion back off the different leadership that's maybe giving leadership. It has nothing to do with your ability to lead, your gifted to lead and called to lead. But it is just sometimes helpful to bring someone out. And even Matthew 18, which is our base principle for dealing with conflict, talks about that first going privately, uh, then going with you know others with you, and then it needs to be going to the church. So I would tell people, work on that role just before it goes into church. It's not biblically seated in there, maybe as clear as some people think it ought to be, but it's kind of where we come alongside. We like to come in in the area of what we call coaching, uh, but then after that there's mediation, and then after that there's arbitration. Now, do we have any uh, conflict mediators, licensed, any lawyers, judges, any guys? Because they do a lot of the same work. Um, but what we like to do is tell people is always try to do a conflict at the coaching level. And the best way to see that is in Matthew 18. That's where it says, if you have an offense, go to your brother. That's, mm -hmm. that's the, the base level. That's even really kind of before coaching. That's just a brother and a brother, sister and a sister coming together and, and talking about whatever happened. Now, ideally, if we could just overlook, and we'll talk about that. But we want to kind of start with this, this first section here, the, the peacemaking <coughs> principles. Uh, this is something Ken Sandy and his group put together years ago. It's a great principle. 
this is something I would encourage you, uh, for whatever reason you're here interested in conflict, to be familiar with this pamphlet if it's only in your own life, so you know how to respond to conflict better personally, or for you to help others respond to conflict in a healthier way. Because coaching is just that. Coaching is helping others get to a place that they need to get to. But it's just like a coach. You can't do it for them, but you can give them the directions, the resources, the encouragement along the way. But you know, coaching an athlete, an athlete has to put forth all of that. And so, but this pamphlet, if you just take the pamphlet, look at it inside, we're just going to go through this a little bit. And um, it talks about just a, you know, what this is designed to do. It talks about making a biblical commitment to resolve conflict. And I like what you had to say, Becky, about, you know, preventative. Um, now, here's what's ironic. I'll give you a little in insight here. Uh, uh, when, when this was put together, when these guys were, uh, were putting this together, and I got another book. Uh, it's a great one. Like and as I say that, I'm hoping to get my book. The, uh, on that one. And I bet I gave it away. The, uh, let me do it. But, uh, but there's some good books out there, and one is just Resolving Everyday Conflict. And so, uh, and, and, and that tells you basically is to try to have within your church groups of people who really are gifted and somewhat called uh, and has some experience in dealing with conflict. Um, because, like I say, Matthew 18 is let's deal with this at the base level privately, if at all possible. And if we need to, we step it up to witnesses. If we need to, we take it to the church. And so each time you kind of take those steps, you're, you're creating more emotional energy into that uh, process. And here it just talks about um, the four G's of peacemaking, we want to glorify God with everything we do. We want to get the log out of our own eye. That means just identifying ourselves, making sure we look at some things. Gently restore, and then go and be reconciled. And these are just kind of four steps that were developed uh, early on in the peacemaking principles uh, as they put these things together. Of just trying to help people understand that there really is a process. There's kind of a staging in doing this thing. And then if you open up the little planter um, of peacemakers, it's kind of, it takes you kind of steps, you know, think by numbers, what do you want to call it, you know. And here it kind of helps, like we talk about, number one talks about how conflict or why conflict happens, even within us or within someone else, uh, and usually that's because there's an unmet desire. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit when I get into PowerPoint about <coughs> idols, and what idols do is it distracts us from God, but what idols also do, idols foster our desires, our, our inward desires. They, they begin to feed that inward part of us that's usually the unhealthy part of us, you know, not the spiritual part of us. Um, but then what happens when we have an unmet desire? There's usually two reactions to that when conflict breaks out. Number two talks about there's an escape response. Uh, that's denial, uh, flight, and suicide. Uh, how many of you guys just like to avoid conflict altogether? I mean, just, I mean that's, that's fine because uh, some people just, they just avoid conflict. I'm, I'm from the upstate of South Carolina. Where I know who I pull for. I'm a, I'm a reformed hillbilly, I tell people. I grew up in a place we call the Mill Hill, and that's where all the cotton mills had these villages and these towns, and everything was centered around that. And there were sinners, and there were saints, and there was no middle ground. That's right. You love Jesus, or you ran with the devil. It was just, that's just how My family, well, my grandparents ran with Jesus, and my mom and dad ran with the devil, so I was kind of caught in the middle until I was 20. That's when I got sick. I was unchurched until then. But I tell people, uh, we didn't run from conflict, we ran towards conflict. Mm -hmm. I mean, we liked a good fight. 
know? Everybody else is like, oh my gosh, you know, yeah. going away. I'm like, let's go see what's we'll going to happen, you know? Uh, you know, they're like, what? So it's just people have different things within their nature for their own. And so, so there's an escape. And then the third way is when you see here is the attack response. And again, not only do we run towards conflict, but some people just, they, they, they draw emotional energy from conflict. Sometimes they even draw satisfaction yeah. from conflict. Now, that shouldn't be a part of anything. That's just to be drawn back. Because ultimately, conflict's not anything we should take delight in. Conflict's something we should seek to, to resolve in our own life, with other people, or within groups of people, biblically and Christ-centered. Uh, but the attacks there are assaults, negation, murder. The extremes are here. Um, and, and this is why, as I started off with my prayer, and I say number four, I love this, the gospel. Let me go ahead and read this whole piece here, number four. The key to changing the way we deal with conflict is the gospel. The good news that God made peace with us and between us by sending His Son to die for our sins to give us new life through His resurrection. When we believe in Jesus, we receive forgiveness and are united in Christ with one another. Then God begins to transform us into the likeness of His Son, enabling us to break free from sinful, escaping, attacking habits into peacemakers who reflect the glory of God, reconciling love in the midst of conflict. In other words, because you and I have been forgiven much, and are being forgiven daily, and will be forgiven in the future, because that process is going on inside of us because of the gospel, because of Jesus, then it puts within us the possibility of being conflict coaches, conflict mediators, even able to arbitrate issues. That gospel that saves us is the gospel that maintains us, and it's the gospel that brings about the wisdom and direction and peace that we need in this process. So, it's not necessarily training that makes you a good conflict mediator. It really is how great is the gospel to be. Because I can tell you, some of the greatest people I've come across that are just great in coaching, mediating, or even arbitration when it comes to conflict aren't necessarily the, the highest school theologically. But they're great people of prayer, great people of the scriptures, and, and God's given them a, a tremendous measure of peacefulness and so So that's what this is about. Number five talks about the two principles here when it comes to coaching. There's personal peacemaking, assisted peacemaking. The personal peacemaking we would feel inside of coaching. Uh, and, and the personal peacemaking is where when someone offends us, we can overlook offense. When someone has done something we can't overlook, then there's a sense of reconciliation. And that may lead towards negotiation. And I'm, I know you guys can go back and read this later. The other is assisted peacemaking. And that has to do more along the lines of what we call mediation. So coaching is that part that we can do privately. One is we can start off by just overlooking an offense. Now, you know the difference between overlooking an offense and an offense that's not been overlooked? When you walk away, is it gone? If it's not gone, it's not overlooked. Whatever the offense is, you know, so those kinds of things. So most of what we do out of our office is we don't get it at the coaching stage. We don't even get it at this first level stage. We get it at the mediation stage usually late. Uh, and so those kinds of things. So I'm not going to try to certify you guys as mediators tonight, but I do want to kind of give you an overview of mediation so there might be something. But what I would say is this pamphlet is one of the best things I felt like I could give you tonight for you personally to read through the scriptures. And here's the thing. If you get in conflict with someone and it can't be overlooked, one of the best things I would tell you in that conflict resolution process would be to say, hey, you know what? I actually went to a class a week ago, months ago, years ago, even this little brochure, and I read through it, and it helped me. Can I give it to you, let you read through it, and then can we come back and talk? Mm -hmm. 
brother and brother, sister and sister, five of them. This is just a tool. We call it conflict coaching tool. In the same way they can help you out of a conflict, it can also help you. Let's say you got two pastors in the area right that may not be getting along. And it's become aware that maybe there's some tension there. You know? Well, it's one of those situations where you say, hey guys, listen, I'm not trying to butt in. I'm not trying to certainly elevate this beyond or past anything. It may just not be nothing, but it appears to me that you guys may not quite get along as well as maybe brothers, brothers of the Lord, and servants of the Lord, and we're in the same association. You guys are just miles apart. You know, that happens sometimes. You, you, you become aware of that. I say, I've got a brochure. I went to this little thing weeks ago, months ago, years ago, and I read it. It just it seemed biblical. It seemed you know, helpful to me personally. And so, can I just give each of you guys one of these? And can I just encourage you guys to both read through this, pray through this, and then get together and see what God says about this? That's coaching. Coaching is really where you're kind of a third party, but you're not really engaging fully. You're just trying to give them some resources, encourage them. But what you've done is you've actually not only given resources, but you've given some accountability to the process. They now know that someone outside has noticed that there's conflict. So it's not just me and my mind thinking, do we have conflict? You know, those kinds of things. But it's not someone saying, hey, I know you guys aren't getting on. Let's go in the office and talk. But, you know, that moves towards mediation. And sometimes that much emotion put into a conversation here at the beginning will just start to open it up pretty heavy. So that's just why we always give you guys this. They're, they're inexpensive. What I would do if you're an association missionary, a pastor, or a leader in the church, uh, man, I'd make sure I've got a pack or two of these around so that if you hear something going on, if a pastor's got some deacons that aren't going on, they're not getting along. Uh, if you've got deacons that aren't getting along, if you've got Sunday school teachers that aren't getting along, or there's a women's group or a men's group or whatever group in the church that's not getting along, instead of stepping in and putting everybody around the table and beginning to work the emotion up, I just say, hey, you know, it's, it's, it's become to my attention that maybe things aren't healthy as they could be here. And just, so that's what we talk about the coaching side. Um, what I want to share with you guys right now is just a little bit of, of beyond coaching, kind of some ways to try to build in, I guess you'd say, uh, connecting with people, uh, some skills. I've given you an outline. The print is very small, my apologies. Uh, and so, uh, uh, with that, but you've got that. So, what I'm going to show you on the PowerPoint tonight, you don't have to write anything down unless you're just going to write notes. So you've got plenty of lines there. But what that will, I think, do is help you guys have a little bit of kind of understanding that whenever you're in the coaching process, um, what you can do is not only just help people by giving them resources and encouraging them to get together. Because, let's be honest, you're not going to be the one who's going to bring about peace necessarily. You're going to be the one who's going to bring about resources or pointing them towards the thing that bring peace. And what will bring peace is the scriptures and the Holy Spirit awakening in their lives. It will be them repenting, humbling. You know, I mean, that, that, those are the things. Now, we can bring some things that kind of help because sometimes when people get so bent out of shape, it takes other people. Um, it, it's funny. Uh, our son Chris, and you know Chris, he just came out of the military over a year ago now. Uh, went in at 19, made Ranger at 20, 11 in countries in three and a half years. And just, it just hollowed him out. And battle injured a couple times. Uh, and so he's with us now. And he's kind of rebuilding now. And I can just tell you, you can't tell or move a 200-something pound Ranger. Now, you know, I'm the old hillbilly. I'm used to, come on, boy, you know, and 
Uh, but I realized that don't work anymore. You know, uh, I can't outdo anything. <laughs> I can't take him physically. I can't outshoot him. I can't. Out- I mean, it's just like. But it's funny. And so, you know, you always try to get your kids to do something, but yet, for whatever reason, it, it, you know, you can't communicate the way that they need to, to hear. But then they'll go somewhere else and they'll hear the same thing and they'll hear it. Yeah. So what I want to share with you on this is really just maybe some things that will help you communicate to people who are in conflict in ways that maybe they can't hear from each other or aren't willing to hear. And it kind of gives you that mediation. So we've got coaching is the first stage. The second would be mediation. The third is arbitration. We're not even going to go into arbitration tonight at all. And we're really just kind of touching mediation. But most of you, by the time you get aware of conflict, it's going to be beyond the coaching or just introducing material. It's going to be a situation you know that it's going to have to be addressed. Let me just ask you, and I don't need to know content or context, but how many of you guys are aware of, and let me just, there's there's conflict from one to five. One is, is okay, there's conflict, but it's, you know, it's not that serious. It's, it's like a, you know, physically it's like having, you know, a mild cold. Five is like you're in the hospital in the ICU. You know, it's that bad. So how many of you guys are uh, are dealing with or aware of a conflict, and I don't want to say within your church, but just are aware of a conflict within your life and things where it's, it's church, career, family, surrounding your life that are two to four? Anybody? Okay. Almost everybody. And so that tells me that you guys are aware of conflict that needs more than probably just coaching, but really probably mediation. So let's take a look at the uh, PowerPoint, and it may be able to help you a little bit. And this first part is just simply that the gospel. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, the power of God, the salvation of everyone believes. We talked about that in Romans 1.16. Is that the gospel is the foundation. If we haven't, if we haven't been born again, we haven't been forgiven of our sins, if we haven't resolved that conflict in our life through the gospel of Jesus, then we really don't have the foundation to help others. You know, I mean, uh, really don't. And so that's always a basis I tell people we need to focus on. The other thing is this, conflict coaching or counseling. Uh, and that's why I always ask if we have any counselors in the area or conflict meetings in the area. Uh, do I ask counselors? Okay. Yeah, <clears throat> because you're giving counsel you're giving biblical wisdom, experiential wisdom, uh, when you're doing coaching that's moving towards mediation. Uh, but it's not necessarily licensed clinical counseling. It's not high-end counseling. So I always tell people a couple things. Conflict coaching is giving counsel. Whenever you step into somebody's conflict, uh, because either they ask you or you just observe it in a situation, you know, you're walking by in a parking lot and you saw two people really having a discussion that didn't look very healthy, well, now that you've been exposed to it, you have a right to kind of address it because you've been exposed to it. You don't necessarily have the right to go tell the people about it. And that's where we lose it as Baptists. Instead of coming back and working with it ourselves, uh, because I tell people, I believe that if God has allowed something to come into your life, He's probably allowed it for a purpose and reason. And maybe that He's, you're perfectly suited to help resolve that. You, and it's just taking nothing away from our, our association of missionaries or our pastors or our leaders. But there are people in the congregation, lay people, who at times are better suited to handle and resolve conflict within the local body than anyone else on the leadership staff. Mm-hmm. Because of the relationships they have, the experience they have, who they are as a person, the integrity, the trust, the character, whatever it is about them. So sometimes God will let that get exposed to an individual. 
what normally happens in most Baptist churches is when someone hears of it or sees it or experiences this, they don't try to step in themselves. They go tell the deacons or the elders or the pastor or some staff member, you know, and, and right away it's elevated. And so instead of letting Matthew 18, that private principle of discussion working through something in a very private setting, it gets pushed into a higher place. And then other people get drawn into it, and it gets pushed to a higher place. And so again, I believe the principle that Jesus teaches in Matthew 18 is about keeping things small. That's how a conflict is usually best worked out, regardless. But there are times when it has to be brought into the middle, and there are times when it has to be brought to the church and dealt with along those lines. So it is counseling. Uh, it is a kind of a subset of biblical counseling. You're giving biblical advice. Uh, when it comes to conflict, scriptures, those kinds of things. But conflicts coaching is not professional counseling. In other words, I'm not a professional counselor. And sometimes when you get into a situation where you become aware of conflict and you're kind of stepping into that, past the coach's role into kind of the mediator's role, you begin to talk to someone on this side or that side of the conflict and find out they've got some real emotional needs. They've got some real counseling needs. In other words, there's some real concerns here. And so if you discover those, you really need to pause the process and get them to some counseling help. Instead of necessarily trying to resolve the conflict and then they're going to counseling help. Because there's a good chance if they've got severe counseling needs and you discover that because of that, uh, you may not have enough time to try to resolve them. If you're not a licensed clinical counselor, a biblical counselor, you may not be able to resolve it at all. So, you know, those kinds of things. So just a couple of things there. Now I've got a video. Let me see where I am on my time. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna pass the video. It's funny. It's a Bob Newhart video, uh, but it, it talks about uh, if you haven't ever seen it, it's a great video. Bob Newhart and the girl comes in for counseling, and she tells him all of her problems, and basically said, "Okay, I have just uh, two words to help you fix this." And she says, "Okay." And so basically, he said, "All right." She said, "Well, shall I write these down?" They're just two words. I think you can remember two words. So she's like, "Okay, what are they?" He's like, "Stop it." What? Oh, yeah, stop, it. stop it. Yeah, that's right. S-T-O-P, new word, I-T. Stop it. And the whole issue is she's afraid of being buried alive in the box. And at the end of this thing, because she won't listen to those two words, she said, well, I got eight words, and here they are. Stop it, or I'll bury you alive in the box. <laughs> it's a great video. Go back and watch it. Uh, it it's a little lengthy. I, I, I don't quite have the edited version, so it's worth going to see. But what it shows us is that even in this... It's a skit that's on one the TV show, obviously. But even in the role of a counselor, conflict can happen. So you're going to have all kinds. And again, so, but what we want you to know is, is being a coach is helping people with resources. Being a mediator is taking those resources and engaging back and forth with the people who are in conflict. And still, even though it, you know, and, and I tell you, that's why lay people are sometimes the best to help with that process. Because, again, it's like, you know, you go in the pastor's office or you meet with the pastor and the deacons, it just elevates it. Yeah. Even if these are wonderful men of God. Uh, it's just the situation of the titles. And so sometimes you can get, I tell people, you know, working down here. And so Ken Sandy, who wrote a lot of material and is kind of the forefather of, of peacemaking, uh, Ken Sandy's principles was that every church ought to have a peacemaking team. A team of people who are trained and skilled and called and gifted in conflict coaching, conflict mediation. Now, it's not to say that the deacons, elders, or uh, the pastor and staff should never engage in that. It's just 
They are the front lines. And I've seen this in other churches. I went to a church uh, in Florida, and at the invitation, the pastor asked to listen, I'm going to be down here if someone wants to talk to me. But if you have a prayer meeting, we've got a prayer couple over here, and we've got a prayer couple over here. And if you'd just like somebody to pray, you know what? These folks are looking to pray. And you know what? We've got a couple in the back, to the right in the room, and they are specialists when it comes to marriage. So if the Lord has spoken to you about your marriage today, don't come to the front of me. It's fine to go pray with these people. If you really want to talk to somebody to help you, we've got a we've got a couple couple in here and it's just it's a room to the right. It's it's just a non just ease over there. I mean, what he had was in his church people with these gifts and callings and and, 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 and ability to help. You know, it wasn't taking him out of the flow or the staff, it's just giving because sometimes the congregation has a hard time to come down front and talk to the pastor yeah. or staff member. Or someone, but now I just think, well, I know, you know, you know, I know that couple. They've been married 50 years. They are amazing. If our marriage was a tenth of what theirs is, I'd be, you know. So it, it they, there's a built-in relationship. Same way, when it comes to conflict coaching, conflict mediation, sometimes somebody in the congregation may be even better suited than the leadership. Sometimes initially, on that first low-level issues of coaching and mediation, as it gets more serious. And we'll have to move up to the leadership and eventually to the pastor and sometimes to the church. Now, sometimes you're going to get a situation in a, in a coaching situation, and I've done this before, because if there's a situation where you meet, or, okay, yeah, I, I, you know. And so, just, you know, this is with my own church, and find out it, it is serious. It is, this is as serious as it kind of gets. So I said, listen, I'd love to help you, but you know what? We really need to ask the pastor to come in and put the name on this thing, because this is a serious issue. And so usually that has to do with there's some legal issue, there's some abuse issue, there's some kind of threats like that, so to speak. But whenever you're doing coaching, moving towards mediation, there are three levels within our lives. The first level is the express needs. That's what you and I as Southerners would talk about to anybody in the world. When we say, we're standing in line, we'll just break up and start talking about our life. <laughs> Let me tell you what my wife did the other day. Let me tell you what my husband did. The, the express need is what people will say on the surface, and this is usually what they'll point to. Well, what's the center of your conflict? It's this right here. He said this to me in the parking lot. He said this to me in the school. They did this at the picnic. It's, it's something on the surface that they point to, and it may be the trigger, but it's probably not the source. You know, it's the proverbial straw that may have broke the camel's back, but it's not really the load that put the camel down, so to speak. Level two is, is unexpressed needs. And those are usually the core of what's centered around conflict. It's not the first things they'll say. You know, we'll go sometimes some, some problems to a church and there's conflict between the pastor and the, and the leadership, the deacons and the elders, and we'll meet with the pastor privately, and then we'll meet with the deacons privately, and we'll see if there's enough stuff here that requires our attendance, or we'll just say, hey, you guys can work this out. I mean, y'all are wise into the scriptures, you got the Holy Spirit. But sometimes we're like, whew, yeah, I think you guys probably need us to come and work with you guys a little bit. You know, but, but a lot of times it, it will be those things that are not said that are the source of the conflict. They'll point to something else. He preaches too long. You know, he tells too many stories. Uh, he this, he that. You know, they never come to Sunday school. They don't come to Sunday night. They don't come to midweek. You know, and, and, and really, those are the, the top things. If there's something down in here, a history of something that's really got the, 
back on. Now here's here's something we all need to understand. And this is about when Jesus, it's interesting when Jesus said, before you try to help other people, get the log out of your own mouth. Now I used to think that was either level one stuff that aggravated me, or level two stuff that bothered me but I didn't tell nobody. No, it's level three. It's stuff that we may not even know about ourselves. It's the places in our heart that we haven't resolved sometimes in our lives. You know, I mean, the strangest thing is to find out when you've really got some anger towards someone when you just have convinced yourself, I'm not angry, I'm not upset with him, I love that brother. And then in your quiet time, your devotion time, and your prayer time, some weeks later, the Lord just convicts you and says, Listen, you don't like this brother. You've got to do with this. I mean, you know, it's something that you just aren't even almost aware of. And that's the great thing about the scriptures on the Holy Spirit. It can, it can divide the, the bond asunder. It can just cut right down to everything. So again, so just know that when you're dealing with conflict, where it's a coaching, helping get resources and kind of guiding a little bit, or mediating where you're now using the resources to kind of work with them and through them, these levels are out there. They'll point to the first thing, and it's usually just the straw. There's got to be at least a middle thing, and sometimes there's something all the way down in there. Um, we had a situation where... Uh, an issue, a gentleman kept hurting the church about every new pastor, about a year into the situation. And what we found out was that, that he had a lot of abuse in his life. He'd never been dealt with. He'd never expressed it to anyone. Everyone just thought he just wanted to control the church. And so it was ironically in a, 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 a mediation time uh, with us when out of the blue he blurted out something from his past. And it stunned him as much as it stunned us. Something that had happened at that church when he was a young man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was like, what? I mean, you know, I mean, we we tried, you know, we like, well, brother, let's pray, you know. But it, it was like that was nowhere on the radar. That was down here in level three. And he's the one the pastor said, this guy's run off the last pastors. He just gets mad all of a sudden. So there was something in the process triggering him back to something. In, so long story short is, we you know we kind of paused everything, we encouraged him to get some counseling. He got some counseling. It resolved itself because it healed him. And it took some time, you know. But uh, so you know again, that's what I'm saying. The point of stuff is the conflict, and on the surface it might be just little stuff, but usually there's a, at least a level two. But then sometimes there's something down here. And that's why we have to remind ourselves that we're not clinical counselors. We're not professional counselors. So don't be digging down here. Mm. Try to resolve it. Because as soon as I heard that gentleman's statement, I knew it was out of my, yeah. my understanding. And so, just for that. And if you have a question or something in process, let me know. So, let's say you've got a couple of guys, brother, that are not getting along, so you give them the material and, uh, you know, it doesn't really go as well as you hope, but they still seem to have some conflict. So the next stage is to say, well, hey, maybe I can meet with you guys, and let's not talk about three of us, this material I'll give you about peacemaking principles and see if there's something there. And, and so when you want to start what we call sitting down at the table with people, even though it's still kind of coaching a little bit of mediation, there are some things you need to be able to do well to have a good experience around the table. And that's what we call building passport, data gathering and communication. Those three things need to happen well once you get around the table. Can I just be honest? Not everybody's called to this. Not everybody's gifted and skilled at this. 
And even if you have an interest that you don't feel like you can do some of these three things effectively, I would encourage you to kind of stay back in the shadows and pray. Because when you get around the table and the mediation element, that's where you can do good, but you can do harm. So I tell people, um, as I tell people, I came out of seminary never thinking this would be a role that I would be in. But through the years, the Lord has put me in this role. And I'm not saying I'm the best Georgia has or has ever had. It's just a role that I feel called to and feel somewhat gifted at. Uh, but trust me, I make mistakes and uh, I sometimes heat up the very conflict I'm trying to cool down. And so, uh, but the ultimate goal of building passport gathering, all these things, you're, you're trying to get to their heart issue, you're trying to build trust, and a couple things. Um, and here's really a before you kind of sit around the table, moving from coaching to kind of coaching mediation, a little blue map, there are a couple things. You want them to say yes to these, these three questions. One is, you want them to, you know, you ask them, do you trust me? Am I trustworthy? You want to make sure that people feel that you're trustworthy. And that's why I tell people, not everybody in church is called to this. Because I know some people in my church, as good as the church it is, is and I love everyone in our church, there's some people I wouldn't tell them anything. I wouldn't even tell my birthday. I'm just telling you what. I don't like people talking about my birthday, and so they're going to tell it. No. I'm just saying, there's some people, they just never showed me that I can trust them in edge. And that's sad. You know, it doesn't disrupt our fellowship or my relationship with MSU. But at the same time, if I had a real situation and needed some comfort county, no, I wouldn't. Um, so, you know. The other is, do you care about me? And that's the key. You need to have a compassion element. As tough as O'Brien is, we call him the hammer, he's very compassionate. And he probably doesn't like us calling him the hammer because he's, he's really more compassionate. But I tell people, he's one of these guys I feel like is equally divided. He's a compassionate guy and he's a prophet. He's, he's almost, to me, right down the middle of both. Now, I feel like I'm more compassionate than prophet. So it's easy for me to stand in the compassionate part. I have to force myself over the prophet part. But here's the key. If you're going to deal in conflict, you've got to be both compassionate and prophetic. And prophetic in the sense of being able to speak truth strongly. Yeah. Not your truth, biblical truth. Because it takes the Bible to kind of get that out. So, do you care? The other is, can you really help me? Do you even have any understanding of what we're about to do that can help me? This is the tricky part because, again, not everybody is really gifted and skilled at being able to kind of lead and have conversation and maintain you know, your demeanor and keep others calm as much as you can. Uh, but again, so if you can get people to say, yeah, I trust you, and yeah, I think you do care about me, and you know what? I think, Richard, you can really help me. I really believe that about you. Then, then that's really the basis of what you need when it comes to moving from kind of a coaching to a mediation platform. And so, so those are some things that just can help you with that. Uh, passport. You know, I always tell people, who's been out of the country? Or to Alabama. The, the, uh, I always rag up being close and I can do that now that we've whipped a little bit. But um, the, uh, I always tell people, you know what you do when you go to Alabama? You set your clock back an hour and you count it back 25 20 years. years. 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, anyway, but I, 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 anyway, so uh, they, uh, uh, it's usually after this that I'll meet the Alabama guy in the parking lot later. Yeah. But, uh, hey, Alabama. But, um, no. but passport is for, again, it's just like an entrance to a country. Whenever you're going to sit around the table, you need to be able to be the person that you can get permission from when you kind of get into this process. By the three questions. 
But demonstrating skill and competency is important, providing first good impressions, approachable, uh, listening carefully and patiently. We'll talk about listening skills. Provide an appropriate meeting environment. Just know that you kind of understand this process. You've got some process you understand of conflict mediation. Demonstrating spiritual maturity and humility. Show genuine sensitivity and compassion. Uh, willingness to address tough and unpleasant issues. Be firm and decisive when leading the process and always be willing to admit your own mistakes. And see these two, you've got to be willing to address tough and unpleasant issues, but you've got to still be sensitive. That's that profit, compassion element that you need to have an understanding of who you are now. Now, if you're all profit and no compassion, don't do conflict mediation. If you're all compassion and no profit, don't do conflict mediation. Because you've got to have a blend of that. You've got to cross over to those agreements. Um, it's always funny because Brian always laughs at me because he said, uh, we'll get back in the car. I said, how do you think that went? He said, very good, profit. You know, because, you know, you know, you know, he's, you know, good, or he'll say, ah, I think that was a little light, Mr. Compassion. You know, in other words, he, you know, because we're talking back. We want feedback. Because we got to understand, we are feet of play just like the people you're working with. And here's the key. If we're not clean and close to the Lord when we step into this process with other people, because we need to, we need to sensitive to the Holy Spirit and the Scriptures and, 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 and God in our lives. I mean, we need to stay clean and close always, but especially when we're stepping into roles. Just like you wouldn't step behind a pulpit to preach or sing a special or talk about missions or go do a mission trip or anything without praying and preparing and being clean and close before the Lord. The same way with this, these things. Because trust me, the adversary wants conflict. He wants to continue to stir it up, let it roll. Because that keeps us distracted from the gospel. And that's the key that he wants to do. So, so the passport is earned if you do these things well. Right? The data gathering, this is funny. I put most data is gathered during storytelling. We call it storytelling because it may not be impartial or even factual. Yeah. It's amazing when I sit down and the pastor already said, All right, here's what happened. And I know this man to be absolutely truthful. You know, and they'll say, here's what happened. And you'll go down and say, well, tell me what happened. What, what, tell me your side of the story. It is a hundred eighty degrees. The other, you know, like, wait a minute, were y'all in the same city when this happened? I mean, we don't say that, but we're thinking it's just completely. So you think, well, somebody's telling the truth, somebody's lying, and so uh, you know, it's one of those things. And so, but to them, it's their truth. Now, sometimes they're just flat out lying. I'm just going to tell you, people will lie to you. They'll lie to a preacher. They'll lie to a state missionary. They'll lie to a judge. They'll lie to their wife. They'll lie to a bill lie. And so uh, it's just the reality. But what you're trying to do is in their storytelling, you let them tell their story from their perspective. They're going to give you tales, and they're going to give you some things that help you to know what is and isn't. Because if you let somebody kind of talk enough, you have the old thing, they'll kind of hang themselves. <laughs> and so on that. Now, smart ones are tougher, but basically... And you really do, because when people tell their story, let's see, has anybody had a hospitalization in your life or someone close by you recently? I mean, had a real trauma in your life? Yeah. You know, when that trauma happens, and you go and say, man, what happened? And they tell you the story, you know, and, 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 and a three-minute story takes you to 20. Yeah. But you know what? They come away feeling better. Because they're kind of You know, it's, it's that same process. Telling the story takes the emotion out of it. And sometimes brings encouragement by them allowing them to. Because they're thinking, all right, here's a guy, I try to get the deacons to listen to me, they won't. Why? Because the deacons don't do just a real rascal. 
<laughs> so they don't want to fool with you. They got his Sunday school teacher. They wouldn't listen to me because they know you're a rascal. The pastor wouldn't listen to me because he knows I'm a rascal. But you're listening to me. Now you're eventually going to find out he's a rascal. That's okay. But you listen to me. Now, just having someone listen will sometimes take the emotion off of them to allow you to work deeper. And you're going to find out, yeah, they're a rascal. They're lying. But it gave them the hearing. And there's something about expressing themselves. It just can help you sometimes uh, with that process. So the storytelling is important. So you just have to learn to listen well. We'll talk about that. Uh, look both, ask both open and closed questions. Look for verbal, nonverbal. In other words, ask specific things if you need to know specific things. Don't, we call committing a suicide, don't assume you know enough information and make a guess. You know? Uh, and I've been there. I've been to hear some, a pastor before saying, man, here's what happened. They're trying to run me out of town, start my family, all these things. And some of that may be going on, and you just say, oh, man, bro, I'm so sorry, you know, and you just feel so bad for them. So you're already making your mind, man, you know, these deacons or these elders or these leaders or this person in the congregation, whoever it is, they just, man, they're low down and pretty rotten. Scoundrel, you know. Uh, and then you come to find out, well, you know, the pastor did something as low down, dirty, rotten, scandalous as they did. It's just different things. And so, so again, you're not trying to be the judge and take information and make a quick assumption uh, or decision. You're just trying to take information in to help you get a feel. And you're taking information in to try to build a passport, to try to build trust, to try to build a relationship there. Now, you guys who are already in a relationship with them, it's a little easier. But for us, it's, we do a lot of time on the data gathering. Communication skills, uh, it talks about listen carefully. How many of you feel like you're a pretty good listener? Okay. Pretty good. I'm, I mean, it's funny. I'm probably a better listener as a state missionary than I am as a husband. <laughs> I'm probably a better listener as a state missionary than I am as a daddy. Uh, probably a better listener as a state missionary than I am sometimes as a friend. I'm just being honest. Because... I, I sometimes put a lot of energy here because this has eternal significance and it has a lot of things to it. And then over here, people who have to forgive me yeah. <laughs> and love me in spite of me. Uh, and so I always tell people, so what you really want to do is also if you make sure you've got some compassion and some profit in you, okay? Uh, balance is great, but at least a little of each. But then another thing is you need to ask somebody before you step into a role of trying to be a good uh, coach or company. coach is not a mediator, is to ask people who will give you an honest reply. Kind of listen to them. What kind of listen Don't ask your spouse. I'm just telling you, that never did it. It's a boy, your son. And, uh, but ask what kind of listener am I? The good thing about listening and listening skills, they can be improved. I think anyone can really improve their listening skills. Uh, the best way to do that is look at people in the church who you know are good listeners. And one of the best pastors I ever had was probably, I better be careful with this. I got, this is this far enough, no mistake. <laughs> I think some, some people will track you down. Of course, he'd be in front of his you know, sequest. But it was a different state. And one of the best pastors I had was the worst preacher I ever heard. Man, we walked up to you and took your hand and he started talking to you. We saw you, in my case, a month later, as a new ministry. Right and I knew he not only heard, but he prayed about it. He remembered, you know, those kinds of things. And so that's just one of those things where the listening comes in, the listening skills. Now, Dr. White, I mean, Thomas, I know a little bit. I'm getting to know him better. I love what I, I'm getting to know. 
But Dr. White was one of those who I knew for a long time because I had come to serve for 20, 13 years as a campus minister. So I got to know him. And he's one of these guys just, man, is a bit intimidating. Because I'm thinking, oh no, he's really listening to me. I'm probably going to be careful with what I say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The, uh, you know, the, uh, I kind of like the guys who are just half in the middle. Maybe, you know, listen a little bit and then wonder why to come back. I like that. So, but here's some things that, that hinder our listening. Again, we're talking about the coaching side, passing out pamphlets and having a little encouragement and prayer for somebody is different. The coaching mediation side is where you're really bringing people around the table to talk about what you passed out in the coaching moment. And these are some things, rehearsers, mind readers, identifiers, dreamers, derailers, placators. All these are hindrances. The, the rehearser is the one who's, I'm listening, and some of you probably did this right away. As soon as I started talking, you started, you know, just, you know, thinking, rehearsing. If I, ask, if I get asked a question, here's what I'm going to say. Uh, you know, you're already rehearsing a response if it's called upon. And a lot of us are fixers in life, and as a result of a, being a fixer in life, we'll do the same thing. We're already rehearsing how to fix the problem if you come up to me. So this is often where my wife uh, will tell me one listen poorly on that. But um, <coughs> mind readers, that's the people who are really smart with a lot of gray matter, and they start trying to go way ahead and try to you know, figure out what the story is, how it ends, all these things. That will distract you from really focusing. The identifiers, and that's where I struggle too sometimes. I try to put myself in a situation of my past into where they are now because I know how the Lord worked through me and worked it out in me and how it came out okay. And, you know, and so I want to impart that encouragement and advice, but it really may not be the same at all uh, with that. Um, you know, the dreamers are the ones who just... You know, and, uh, it's funny, uh, I, was, I was eating a couple days ago with somebody, a pastor, and I love this guy, but he's, man, he, you know, uh, I just want to take symbols and go, look at me, look at me, you know, because he just, he's, but it's funny, if he stops and what we think about, you know, I was just thinking about, which is funny, because I think, this had nothing to do with that conversation. Yeah. I know you're dreaming, I know you're somewhere else, but it's usually pretty good idea stuff, so I don't want to break up good good process, but the derailers are just people who throw things out there that throw a derailment of a, of a process, of, of, you know, asking too many questions or forcing them, and the placators are just the ones who just, they just pretend to be listening. In other words, you want to make sure that you're listening. Because it's in listening you can really hear details that you may need to hear. Uh, it's in listening you may hear not only details, but you may hear what I call a silent confession. And that's where they kind of confessing something in the storytelling. And it tells you, and I tell you that's always good because it tells me that they're wanting to get this yeah. right. They may not know how to get it right. They don't know... You know, it's just it's a, it just you're looking for tales kind of to help you. So the listening, the data gathering is important. The listening, and you're always trying to get back to the heart. We talked about idols, uh, how idols distract us away, keep us from fearing God, loving God, those things. And I'm going to give us some time here to end and discuss some things. Um, Paul's tip about idols, just basically talking about that we all have desires, um, and if we follow our desires, unchecked to Scripture or the Holy Spirit. We can really move in the wrong direction. And, and a lot of times, the strangest thing is when I travel, I've been to a lot of countries in mission work, and, and, and when I've traveled, it's amazing when I'll go to a shop and I'm thinking, you are worshiping this thing? You know, I just want to go, what is yeah. wrong with you? 
I mean, what is, what is, what is wrong with you? You know, and, and you start to walk away, and then the Lord says, you are worshiping this thing, and he convicts us of something in our life that I'm holding to him like an idol. In other words, I'm holding on something that distracts me from God, that takes my time, takes my resources. That's what that little altar's doing. It's taking their time, their their resources, their focus. Is, you know, so, so we all deal with little idols in our lives. They just may not look like those idols, but they're the same effect. But it's the idols in our life that distract us from God, and when we get distracted from God, we begin to focus on our desires of the idol or just ourself, and it, that's where the conflict comes in. And it goes back to Jesus again saying, hey, all of us have issues in our lives we've got to look at. And that's why it takes us back to, to Matthew 7, uh, looking at what's in your own life before you look at the life of the other. When it comes to coaching, I'd say almost anyone can hand out you know, a pamphlet and say, man, read through this. You guys read through this and uh, pray about it and maybe come back together and just see if you guys can resolve whatever's going on. You know? In other words, coaching is not getting into the details of the conflict. It's not putting it around the table. That's the first thing to do. It's just, you know, you're just trying to help them look at a biblical perspective of conflict and principles that help them move out of conflict. And the other thing is you're helping them understand that they don't resolve conflict, it's thinking it really serious. I mean, uh, I mean, when you go to tell people, you know, when did this start, this conflict? Well, you know, it didn't start with some crazy, blasphemous issue in the church. It was maybe a simple disagreement that never got resolved, just kept building. But, uh, so those are kind of just some things I want to kind of share with you guys. Questions or thoughts or comments on either kind of the, the primary or the, the, I mean the, the first step of coaching or the kind of little bit of what I talked about now is what I call coaching mediation, getting around the table. Let me ask you this. How many of you have ever gotten a couple of people around the table and try to help them work through something? Anybody? Some of you? Okay. Right. Yeah. Um, did you find it successful? Helpful? Uh, Sometimes. Sometimes, okay. Did you ever feel like maybe if I had gone this way, that way, or if I had more resources, or do you feel like if they would have worked harder? Or do you feel like it was the... Work hard. Work hard? If they just worked hard on some... People usually just... They, their minds are made up. <laughs> you know, it's, it's like the couple who comes to the pastor and says, hey, what thing like getting divorced? It's probably too late. It's been a year since they decided to make that decision. To back them up. Not impossible because with God, I'm just telling you, as long as breath and life, uh, there's hope. Uh, there really is. Um, something to understand is every conflict will have what we call history, conflict history. And it's either going to be personal conflict history within your own mind, it's going to be conflict history within the church uh, or, or group organization. You know. Uh, as a new associational missionary, I'm sure that he inherited some conflict history. <laughs> There's some churches that love him because they love the association. There's some churches that don't like him because they don't like the association. That has nothing to do with our new brother here. Yeah. I mean, look at this man. He's a good-looking guy with a beard. <laughs> I mean, but I'm just saying, it, it's just, it's just, the, it's like a pastor, you know, same way, and so or some role. And so there's a lot of things in it. But what I wanted to kind of give you guys tonight was just kind of an overview to get you guys thinking about really, you know, if you move from just kind of giving information and encouraging people to work through things to a point of maybe getting around the table and starting to talk through that, 
because that's mediation is more than that, just using the, the brochures and talking. It's more than, but it's that kind of initial step. And again, if that can be done in a way uh, that doesn't require upper leadership uh, and those kinds of things, that's fine. But again, if it's a serious issue right away, you need to say, listen, I really feel like you guys ought to go talk to General Deacons or you need to go talk to the pastor or the elder, whoever, whatever leadership model you have in your church, and just say, because I think this really has potential of being pretty serious pretty quickly. And then sometimes, by the time you do get to sit down with them, it is serious and it's good. And that's not a judgment on them, it's just a reality. Because, again, it doesn't take a, a lot of time for little conflicts to build into huge conflicts. Um, so questions or thoughts about conflict or types of conflict or other resources um, in conflict. Brian Nobles, who is a part of the ministries here now, Peacemakers, uh, has a new book out. I haven't completely finished it, but Brian's done some good work on it. And it's kind of a rehash of, of what has been done before. But, What's um, the name of I want to say, a biblical, I think it might be a biblical response to conflict. Um, but I just really got like maybe a month ago, uh, just before the head injury. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I only scal- the, uh, took my scalp off uh, four and a half weeks ago. I just got, I had 11 staples oh, wow. to reattach my my locks. And so, uh, locks. <laughs> so anyway, uh, my doctor said you were this far from being bald. <laughs> and so anyway, duck when you're going to trailers. That's the word for the day. When you're going to a closed trailer, duck. Oh, man. The, uh, oh, but, um, okay. Anyway, um, but I, um, I like to say, but I'll, I'll get that with Gary. Kind of I thought I'd have had that with Gary. But questions about conflict, uh, anything you're hoping that you hear tonight that you didn't get or a question you have tonight, and, and again, I'm not going to assume it's you or your church if you ask this question. Or comment about. I, I'm, I have a comment. I, I know, for, I've seen the uh, escalation. You're talking about when you go straight to mediation mm-hmm. instead of letting the two people work it out mm-hmm. because it just automatically, for some reason, when you get other people involved, this was actually between me and a guy yeah. at work. But I mean, it's, it translates. You know, yeah. we went in there to, we had a little altercation, but the boss heard it. He, come, he blew it up into a big thing, and then automatically that guy starts saying stuff I didn't even know how he, fe- he felt that way. You know? yeah. <laughs> Man, now we got a bigger problem than we had. When we get a call, our first question is, have you encouraged these guys to work it out privately? These folks to work it out privately? Yeah. Like, that's what well, it not really. We just heard we all were calling because we got confident in the church. Well, that's good. Thank you for calling us. And we're here to serve. But Matthew 18 tells you to go. And so we always tell them, go back and ask them. And we'll send you just a couple brochures that encourage handies to these guys and let them read this and see if they can work this thing out privately. Because that's always the case. If you can take that emotion off or that elevation off, um, you know, and depending on you know how strong the, the conflict may be at that point, uh, yeah. But but I tell people, um, nothing takes God by surprise, right. and nothing overwhelms His sovereignty. So He does not wring His hands over conflict like we do. Uh, at the same time, He does not sit still. Concerned conflict, like we sometimes do. He is, you know, he's, he's he gets on it, and so so I tell people whenever again, uh, be it an association, uh, we go of the church or 
organization, business, life, family. Whenever you become personally aware, not I've heard this about this, but if you get personally aware of a conflict, I tell people that to me is, is gives you the right to step into that. If you witness a conflict event, then you have the right to speak into that because you witnessed it. And so, but I always tell people the first and best way to step into that would be to say, you know what? And you, it's a point where you say, hey, I went to this little conference thing in Georgia, and you just say, hey, I got this, I, I came across this pamphlet, and it didn't really helped me understand how conflict uh, should be handled in, in, in our lives as Christians, and, and what happens if we don't. Can I, can I give it to you and let you guys? You know, it's just that kind of thing that they say, no, I mean, it's no big deal. Okay, but I'm just saying, but they see it, it's, and don't assume they never come back to you that it, it didn't help. Uh, I tell people, well, I don't know how you can read through some of the scriptures and not at least address something in the conflict for your own lives. No, no I think in the pastoral ministry, I think that's one of the things that long has been discouraged the most about is if you point them to biblical things, they really don't care. But mm-hmm. like, um, you have some people that say, I don't really care about this mm-hmm. about that. This really? is what the deal is. I'm upset. And, and, and if you got someone to do it again, because uh, I always tell people, as a campus minister, college students want enough God to get in here exam time. But not so close that it bothers their region. my life. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's just that, in the same way, people, wow. this is where I tell people, that's where mediation can, can come in, because it's in the mediation time, you can interact and dialogue with them in a different way. Um, you know, and sometimes you have to come about it in different, different ways and, and resources. But I tell them ultimately, if they profess to be a believer, they they need to report back to the scriptures. But you know, and then sometimes you're going to find out people really don't want to resolve it. They just want somebody to hear their side and agree with them. Yeah, it's delicious to And so yeah, and so and so, and that's difficult. And I tell people the hardest thing is to learn not to nod when you are doing conflict mediation. You just try to. I mean, you like. So that's a good tip, right? There. Oh, so that's a listening tip. You nod. You hey, now if you're from India, they go. Oh, let me get this right. They go. Yes. When they shake their head, like they go. They mean no. And when they say no, it, I mean yes is this. Uh, would you like a something to drink? Yes. <laughs> would you like something to drink? <laughs> no. Well, let's see. It's it's the option. They go. And if you look, sometimes you go to a convenience store. You'll see them say, "Oh, have a good day." Yes. Or you know, they'll go. They do this little. So I told him, I said, "Man, I would." die in India. I would be crossing up the world with cigarettes. But uh, uh, trust me, I tried to cross the wrong way. It just, I tried to stop and let a lady in front of me. When you've got billions of people moving, yeah. don't stop. For under any circumstances, run over the old lady if you have to. <laughs> don't stop. Because you stop, you just now wreck 20,000 people. Yeah. But, um, chaos. Chaos now. Uh, I want to say one comment. Yeah. Many years ago, my husband uh, is a minister of music and youth at that time, and he's now a pastor, uh, went through some conflict in the church, mm-hmm. and um, and it devastated our whole family. Mm-hmm. And I just want to tell you young ones that are here, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not nothing against anything, but, but use Marty and our relations that we have with the mission board because y'all were a lifesaver for our family and I will never forget it. My family will never forget it. We, I mean, it's it's instilled and wow. y'all were just so awesome to us. Um, the prayers, uh, you know, y'all invited us up to Duluth and literally put us up and, I mean, we had nowhere to go and it was not our fault. 
I mean, and I'm not saying that is one of those people who, no. you know, I, don't I know, I know, I know what you're saying. Uh, yeah. He, he yeah. knows and he remembers, and it was totally nothing that my husband had done or our family, and it was it was a bad time in our life and our ministry, and we thought we had failed God, and y'all let us know, no, you had not, you know, and so these people know what they're doing. And um, within less than a month, we had another job, if you want to call it. It, not, it wasn't a job, another yeah. ministry. Yeah. And um, and it was the best thing that happened to us. Well, you're kind. And, I, so, and our heart is, again, and that's the whole heart, God's heart of conflict. Conflict distracts us from sharing the gospel. Yes. That's it. That's conflict right. distracts us from loving people so we can share the gospel. Right. But y'all so, made it possible for us, for just a very short period of days, and, and not only that, we almost lost our daughter during that time. She got very sick, and we almost wow, lost her in the hospital. And it was devastating. I mean, our whole life we thought it fell apart. But we ended up, within a month's time, we were back serving God like we should have been. Now, our children were adults, and both of them said, if this is what church is about, we don't want to be a part of it. And they both step back. They did. Our son was married and his wife said no. We're not going to. And she continued. She, they moved their membership and they went to another church. Our daughter on the other hand did not. She was not married. She was in college. And But because of y'all the, you know, the relations department and the prayer within a few years she was back in a church, and y'all, she's married. She's got two beautiful children. Her husband's about to be ordained as a deacon Sunday morning. Oh, man. And she is so committed to this church that I honestly have to say, baby, you need, you need to... Take a U-time. Yeah, yeah, take a U-time. You know, she's like, but Mama, this is the way we were raised. See, even though that conflict happened because of y'all, I mean, and God had a hand in all that, you know, uh, but y'all were there at the right time. God provided y'all. So please, if you have a conflict, even a tiny one to come up, you need to call Marty or whoever's in your area. Well, and again, it's back to the moment of prayer because, again, it's that foundational thing because you and I know prayer works 24-7. Yes, yep. that's right. So uh, even when people... When we listen to the scriptures, that's crazy. You know, the scriptures still speak. Mm -hmm. They never drink water. And prayer, you say, no thank you, I don't believe in prayer. Oh, that's yes. great. And, pray. and so, you know, not arrogantly, but just reality. And so, but that's where, again, we just want to give you guys some understanding that there are some resources out there. If this, if you feel like this is an area you feel drawn towards because either you're in it mm -hmm. and you need it, then give us a call if we can help with anything, or there's some, some books I can recommend for you. There's just something you find. Hey, you know, obviously in the fall, there's going to be some of that coming your way because they're going to ask for wisdom and direction. And so, again, it's just like the church is the primary, and then you've got your association with missions, the secondary, and then we're back over here. And so, um, uh, with that. So, again, but any way we can do. But again, the, the main thing is, again, just, just be familiar with the scriptures that center around and, and overcoming conflict and how to love people through conflict and these kinds of things. Uh, but realizing it's got to be compassionate and profit. You're going to have some uh, the ability to, to, to say some strong things at times in a loving way. Mm -hmm. um, they got to, you know, trust you, believe you can help them, you know, these kinds of things. And then 
you know, work on your listening skills, all of those things. And those, all those things will just help you be a person that God can utilize in that process. Mm -hmm. uh, again, nothing special about us, just the fact that we had an opportunity to step in and we had some resources. Mm -hmm. after, after all of these years, uh, Robert Anderson was in the department at that time, mm -hmm. and um, I still remember the phrase, don't just glance on your situation about how bad it is, but, but gaze on the Lord. Glance on the situation, gaze on the Lord. I had it posted on my computer and written on, you know, I was taped to my steering wheel and everything. Because, you know, you think about what conflict does is it draws our gaze off the Lord. Yeah, it does. Yes. That's, that's the distracting part. The distractions from everything is going to help us out of it. Because you and I, if you're a believer and you have scriptures within you, the Holy Spirit within you, even if you're dulled it down by just sin in your yeah. life, uh, you get quiet. Uh, they, it, they can speak very loud of the scriptures. Those. And if, again, a lot of times people just need graceful ways back. To yeah. mm -hmm. uh, you know, and also I think we need to, and being in the middle of not just that conflict, but other conflicts within the church and the ministry, we start focusing on ourselves. Yeah. And when a person gets in a conflict, they do. They, you know, especially if they're not a strong Christian, they're not in the Bible, they're not studying, they're not pray, they don't have a prayer, they don't have the relationship they need. It becomes all about me and what happened to me. And when that happens, and again, that's Satan's way of pulling you away. And, and when we, I don't care who you are, you get hurt, you're gonna respond in a certain way. Yeah. I mean, you may be the most passive person in the world. But if someone suddenly puts a threat on you and begins to hurt you in some capacity, physically, yeah. emotionally, or hurt you, your husband or your family, you oh, yeah. that's what conflict basically does. It's that hurting and all those things. But again, to encourage you, man, conflict is, happens all the time. Uh, and there are times when we don't see the outcome we want for conflict mediation. And like that. But again, I tell people you can still, still have success in the middle of what may appear as not the end of the conflict. You know, ideally it'd be great if the church would have repented of that the model and, and everything and, and you know what? That didn't happen to yet. But but let me I you know what you said repented, I have to say this though, Marty, because do you know that the very deacon that caused the majority of the conflict and we left the church, he came to us about two and a half years ago and apologized. Oh wow. He did. Um, that was hard for me because, you know, he, he hurt my husband, he hurt my family, you know, my children. Um, spiritually, he hurt them. And that was hard for me, but that's been forgiven. Yeah. And it was a lesson learned. Thank you for sharing all that. So, yep. Well, guys, like I say, I'll be here after, for a little bit afterwards. And so if you guys want to talk final on some issues, I'll be glad to do that. Give us a call, and even though I am Southeast Region guy now, I'm still wearing the hats of everything. <laughs> so until January 1, and then we're still working through how that's all going to work out. But um, but anyway, so anyway, we can ever help you guys. Uh, we don't come in to tell you how to resolve it. We come in to try to provide the resources for you guys because you're you're the local guys. We want to work that way. Let me say that. Father, thank you for your love and grace. Thank you for our time together. Thank you for the encouragement that brings through your word into our lives and the life of the situation. Lord, we all are facing conflict at different times of our life, uh, be it within ourselves, uh, within our families, within our churches, uh, within our work, whatever. And so, Lord, just help us to be uh, 
Jesus people who respond once we are aware in a biblical way um, to privately resolve. And if not, let us be mature enough, humble enough to ask for others to help us resolve uh, so that it doesn't get to a place to hurt a church, that hurts a family, uh, and sometimes we for a long, long time. So Lord, we just thank you for your love and grace and forgiveness uh, and mercy that is fresh each day. In Jesus' name. Thank you guys. Thank you, brother.